Before we get to the show, did you know you can get more insights just like the ones you're listening to right here on Seeking Wisdom delivered right to your inbox? Sign up to get my weekly newsletter. It's called The One Thing at drift.com slash DC. And we're back. We're back on Seeking Wisdom. What's going on? We're here to talk about something pretty interesting. It's been almost six years since we founded Drift, and we've created many rituals. We've opened up offices. We've experienced the highs and lows of hypergrowth, and we've grown to be over 400 people now. And just this year, we've gone digital first, right? So check out episode 163 for more on that. But the most important thing about today's episode is back by popular demand. It's been very rare for people to reach out as often as they have about this superstar guest making a return appearance, Drift's Chief People Officer, Dean Opton. How's it going, Dina? Thanks, DC. Good. Good to be here. <laughs> I had so much feedback on how many people loved you on the last episode we did together. I'm ready to give it up and <laughs> let you run Seeking Wisdom from now on. I, think it was, I don't think it was me. I think it was because we were talking about digital first and so many people are curious about why yeah. we took the leap. But. See, she's humble too. That's amazing. So Dina, we started Drift for three reasons. I'm going to tell the audience what those three reasons are. One, we started Drift to make business buying frictionless and become the new way that businesses buy from businesses. The second reason we started Drift was to lean into the undeniable trend in the shift of power from vendor-centric companies to a buyer-centric world. And the third reason, which we're going to talk about today, is that we wanted to create an enduring company. One that could be a role model for future diverse corporate America, not only in America, but global companies everywhere to create this equitable environment. And I know we're going to touch on some of that today. Yeah. Achieving those goals requires having the best team in place. And that mm-hmm. means that we need to be explicit about what we celebrate and what we don't tolerate. Mm-hmm. And I know you've thought about, you've thought a lot about this. You and Elias thought about this when Drift was two people. And what are some of the aspects of our culture that have allowed the team to flourish and then will allow us to continue to flourish? Well, there's five aspects of our culture that we're going to talk about today. The first is to cover our leadership principles. And I've I've touched upon that in the past a couple of times on the show, but really we're going to dive into those. And leadership principles are a set of principles that we defined early, very early in the company when we were, I think we were under 50 people. And we've used them in our hiring. We've used them in the way that we promote people. We've used them in the way that we talk about performance at Drift. So that's number one. The second aspect is high performance. Third aspect is hiring adults and autonomy. The fourth are rituals. And the fifth is equity, which I touched upon as one of the three reasons we started Drift. So one thing that you kind of highlighted there that I've said that can be controversial is that Drift is not for everyone, right? And people don't want to hear that. They want to hear about how do we make it for everybody? But the truth is that in all organizations or all groups or all just any kind of societal groups, they're not going to be for everyone and that's okay. They're going to be for a certain type of individual that may find themselves attracted to that team, that approach, that organization, that group. And I find, you know, in defining our principles that, and kind of the company that we want to create is that we should be explicit about that. We shouldn't hide from that and try to become something for everyone. Because when you're something for everyone, then I don't think you're anything. Right. I think we've, this is one of the 
aspects of our culture that's been hard for people, I think. Mm -hmm. And as you said, written words matter. Yep. And the language that we use really matters. Mm -hmm. And the more authentic our language, the better. And the more that we can actually be incredibly transparent to our current drifters, to future mm -hmm. drifters, to mm -hmm. drift alum, because, you know, it isn't for everyone. This stage of growth is not for everyone. And I think it, it'll draw the right people to our company at the stage that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And it will push away those people that might not be the right fit for the organization. I mm -hmm. think it's a hard one to grasp, but I think it's really important. Yeah, so we have leadership principles that we define, that I mentioned, that we define at the beginning of the company, pretty much. Dina, do you know the eight leadership principles? I do. <laughs> you do? But the, I do. Not because wow. I've memorized them, because they like, we just got through a 360 review process oh, with why. our managers, and they're like woven in there. They're in peer reviews, they're in interviews, and like, that's my life. So I, I live them. <laughs> I think I can, I can rattle them off, but. I'll I think that, you know, the most important one is putting the customer at the center of everything we do. I think I, I see that in executive meetings and you challenge us when we're implementing something or changing direction. Like, how mm -hmm. is our how are our customers going to view this? I think every question that we ask for anyone that's managing a team here at Drift, like, do their goals put the customer at the center of everything they do? And I think the larger an organization becomes, sometimes you pull yourself away from that. Mm -hmm. But we're always trying to pull ourselves closer. So the more senior you become at Drift, the closer you should be to our customers. Yeah. I think that one's, they're um, all incredibly important, but all of them are centered around our customer. Absolutely. That's the most important one. And the way that I think about our leadership principles are not like that they're rules, that they're a process necessarily, that they define a process, but really that they're this kind of idea that I love, that they're guardrails that help keep us on the road, right? From driving off the road and they help steer our actions when hiring, when we do reviews, when we're doing promotions and even exits. Like these are the things that really guide us. But number one is put the customer at the center of everything you do, like you said. Number two is creating a culture of respect and trust. And what do you think that that means to you, Dina? Or what's a good example of that? I think it's respecting others' opinions. I think it's also respecting diverse opinions, seeking out diverse perspectives. It's ensuring that the team that you're developing, either your, your close team or your expansive team, you're surrounded by people that are going to challenge your thinking. That's yeah. what I think with that. Mm -hmm. All right. Number three, which is some of our, some people's most favorite, especially some of the early drifters who witnessed Elias's baptism. <laughs> uh, with this book and it's called practice extreme ownership and look back in the old episodes of seeking wisdom to find the episode where we talked about the book extreme ownership and what we kind of tricked Elias into doing that kind of transformed his life yeah i think that one's um you have to take control over what you're working on and, and we practice that with dris so mm -hmm. responsible individuals that are that are on the hook to deliver something because if you don't assign someone something and if it's yeah. in a volunteer department, it's not actually going to get done. This one, you know, we, we ask for individuals to demonstrate this in the interview process. We, as, as you said, we test on it as we're evaluating internal drifters. This one's really, this one's really important. Yeah. Number four, which I think is actually internally might be like, it might be the one that people default to the most and it's called have a bias for action, deliver daily results. I think this one is the one that people, the good side is that people default to this one the most. The bad side is probably that this becomes the boogeyman that you have to always deliver everything on a daily basis. 
What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think this one, this one's easier for drifters um, mm -hmm. because there's so many tools that we have in place for showing your work. You know, Slack updates, the lattice tool that we use for showing what you've actually accomplished that week, even Monday metrics. When we talk about what was accomplished last week, we're able to sort of point to specific ships. And I think it's this idea that like 80% shipped is better than perfect. We have a ton of people that are able to do that. And, and we foster that through different mm -hmm. channels of communication across the organization. But I think the, the, the only pitfall to that one, as you said, is sometimes you have to move slow to go fast. And mm -hmm. we have a tendency to do more instead of sometimes mastering the four or five things that we want to do really well. So this is the yin and yang of that leadership principle. Exactly. And sometimes moving, just moving fast inevitably makes you slow, right? Because right. you have to pay off that debt. So the next two, five and six, I think are the ones that we need to work on the, the most that we don't do enough, at least at Drift. And number five is seek feedback, not consensus. And number six is push for high standards. Those yeah. two are ones that I think are super important, which I don't, I don't think we're there yet in terms of what, where we need to be with both of those. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, seek feedback. I think it's in place to get to the best idea, but it's not to slow us down. So we mm -hmm. don't, we don't, we're not a consensus-driven organization. I think this one's, sometimes this one is the hardest part for people that joined Drift that came from a larger organization yeah. that was very consensus-driven. Like, you don't have to display 10 or so PowerPoint presentations to, to make your point or get in. You're not part of a, a meeting. Going to a meeting is not a badge of importance. I think so for people that come to Drift from larger organizations, mm -hmm. this is the muscle they have to exercise that I am responsible for a particular task or yep. strategy or whatever. And I don't need 10 other people to tell me that it's okay. I need to seek feedback, but I don't need, it's not a, it's not a vote. And I think this is the other thing that you see this in the recruiting process hmm. a lot. I mean, you see, we see, you know, you get you feedback on a particular candidate. Everybody doesn't actually have to vote yes for that candidate to start. The DRI that's hiring that particular person in most cases is the most senior level person in our department for those mm -hmm. positions makes the decision based on the data that they pulled from individuals that interviewed the candidate. But it's we're not consensus driven organization. Number seven, I love the way that you put that, but number seven is also boogeyman one, at least at Drift, which is called Stay Scrappy. Which huh. Oh, yeah, this way, yeah, it used to be Stay Scrappy and Frugal, right? <laughs> yeah, it used to be Stay Scrappy and Frugal. I think I modified because it just, everyone interpreted it as like we're cheap. Yep. I think, I think the state, you know, it's funny. We had one of our onboarding managers receive, we, we, we do, we recognize people every quarter, as you know, for demonstrating mm -hmm. these leadership principles. And our onboarding manager, Allie Winkleman, was recognized for this leadership principle. And the mm. quote was, she makes the scrappy classy. And I think <laughs> it's, it's doing more with less resources yeah. and not always using headcount to actually get something done. It's prioritization. It's like, it's intense priority. It's, it's, it's ruthless prioritization. I think mm -hmm. that as I describe this leadership principle. So it's, it's always thinking that your resources are scarce and how are you going to get more done with less? Yeah. But I it can that. be misinterpreted as a money saving yeah, leadership totally. principle. It's not, it's not about that. I love that, that story about Ali. I love the way that you articulate stay scrappy. You really know these. We're on number eight, which is the last one, which is my favorite one. And the whole reason that this podcast even exists. Be a curious learning machine. Yes. Yes. I think this is, um, you, know, I'll, I'll, you know, when people say, is Drift for me? Am I going to be successful at Drift? Well, you have to 
always be getting better. Mm-hmm. You have to make an investment in yourself. It's like, I think I described coming to Drift as like getting my PhD in Drift when I first <laughs> got here because you're always, you're always, I mean, I've got, I've got like five or six books going right now. I'm reading part of them. I think it's this, this, you know, curiosity and, and voracious re- reading and exploration of new ways of thinking that that those, those are the successful drifters here because there's mm-hmm. so much to learn from our advisors, from our, the team that you're surrounded by. You have to be the kind of person that is comfortable with being uncomfortable, but being uncomfortable drives you to learn more. Yeah. You mentioned two things right there, that perfect segue for the second thing to talk about high performance or so the idea of high performance. You mentioned being around the best people, and then you also mentioned uh, performance, right? in that last description. So I think, you know, the way we think about it is the way to become the best is by hiring the best, not just because obviously you're hiring better people, but because you're leveling yourself up as you start to raise yourself up to the the people that are around you. And we think that, you know, I mean, you mentioned reading one of the the book that I gave out to the entire company at kickoff was uh, the Reed Hastings book on Netflix's culture. And we think Netflix said it best, right? Because Netflix said, the, and this was from Reed Hastings, the CEO and founder, the best office perk is working with people you respect and can learn from every day. We are a team, not a family. We're like a pro sports team and it's not a kid's recreational team. If we're gonna be a championship team, then we want, a be, we want the best performer possible in every position. Team members are playing to stay on the team with every game. For people who value job security over winning championships, Netflix is not the right choice, and we try to be clear and non-judgmental about that. But for those who value being on winning teams, our culture provides a great opportunity. Like any team successfully competing at the highest level, we'll form deep relationships and care about each other. Yeah, I know. I I think it's, I don't know if everyone loves that, but I love that. Well, and I think it's like, you know, when you're on a successful team, you're, you're listening, you're watching your video, you're, you're, you're watching what you can improve on. You're always Mm -hmm. getting better. I think that mentality is really important for individuals to be successful at drift. It's, you got to earn your spot every quarter, Mm -hmm. every month. Mm -hmm. And that means that you've got to invest in yourself and you have to learn as much as possible and challenge yourself to do things that you might not have done in a prior role. So something you mentioned earlier before when we started the leadership principles is that we just went through this performance review cycle. And one of the things that's super important is that nothing in a performance review should be a surprise. How do we go about making sure that nothing is ever a surprise to the person being reviewed? Correct. I think that the thing that we try to instill is it's that seek feedback. It's a little, has, it's, it's, it's embedded a bit in the seek feedback component mm-hmm. that feedback is a gift and we give it freely. Mm-hmm. We give it and we receive it. And mm-hmm. I think we instill in individuals that are coming into Drift that important component to our culture that it, it, it feeds on itself. So you're right. We, we do formalized reviews twice a year. But people are mm-hmm. working with their manager on a weekly basis or they're working with their teams. And if something's going wrong, you go right to the person that can, can be working on that particular thing. If I flubbed a presentation, well, I hear from, mm-hmm. I quickly hear, I, I hear from the Drift team about it. You know, you read that presentation, Dina. It didn't sound like you. It wasn't authentic. you got to alter. And it's from all, I think the beauty of it is we get it from all levels of the organization. It's not hierarchical here. So yeah. um, a software engineer. That's for sure. We do get it from every part. <laughs> we try to get it from everybody. 
every part, get it from every part. Believe me, Um, all day, every day. Yeah. So I think that's just how we do things here. And so I think Mm -hmm. people, it, it becomes a habit as you start getting exposure to it and it feeds on itself. And so I think the comment that you made about semi-annual reviews not being a surprise they shouldn't be because you should have been getting that feedback constantly Mm -hmm. from multiple people absolutely and what do you think about the idea of someone in the company owning their career what do you think that means i think it means that a career doesn't always isn't always linear you can move cross departments cross teams you can do different things but you've got to you as an individual have to drive it and not mm-hmm. expect that your manager is going to lay the foundation for how you can gain additional skills. If you want to move into a leadership role and there isn't happened to be one in the sales organization, for example, we'll mm-hmm. be a leader in one of our ERGs or connect with a new project that's happening across the marketing organization. Get a, there, There's several examples to display leadership responsibilities without being told that you're moving into a leadership role. It's what I, I believe that comment mm-hmm. is that you and if you are a curious learning machine, that will be a natural thing that you will do when you join Drift because you've kind of, you've always been the type of person that paves your own way and is not waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. It's hiring fully formed adults, which is one of the things mm-hmm. that we, we talk about. It means that, that you, DC, are not going to tell me how to run the people function. I'm going to tell you some of the things that I think we should be doing differently. And I'm not waiting for you to give me permission to speak about something or get outside of Drift and talk about the digital first movement that we've made, I just, I naturally, I naturally do that. And I'm, I'm always challenging myself to do that. So that's, that's what I, I think we mean by that. But Pete, you have to come in with that drive. We can't necessarily teach that. Mm-hmm. There's one thing that you might not know about me, Dina. I may be known for saying polarizing things, Dina. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And one of the polarizing things that I've said is that we believe in hiring adults and that we're not here to babysit you. And we define being a responsible adult this way. You're self-motivated. You act like a leader and you don't wait to be told what to do. You dive right in and you have this willingness to roll up your sleeves. You carry the water and never think to yourself, it's not my job. And if you don't know the phrase, carry the water, that's one of the most famous Seeking Wisdom episodes. We'll leave a link to that below. Yeah, yeah. And number five, you're focused on outcomes and outcomes because versus your own personal outcome, the overall outcome of the mission or the project or the thing that you're working on. So those are the things that we think are critical to being a responsible adult. And we try to hire responsible adults so that we can build this idea of an autonomous environment where people have a high degree of freedom, but a high degree of responsibility on the other side. So we call it autonomy uh, comes with the equal portion of accountability. Yeah. How do you think we can create an autonomous company? You know, what do we think think the ingredients? I I think you talked, we talked a little bit about this earlier and it's in our leadership principles. I think Mm -hmm. the outcome piece that you were referring to is by being customer obsessed. So customer driven, all of our teams need to commit with spending time and energy on fixing our customers' issues. It's why we're here. Mm -hmm. We're never too busy to get on a call with one of our customers. We're never too Mm -hmm. busy to solve their problems. So I think that's, that's one of the most important ingredients to it, I believe. 
So first is being customer driven, right? These are the ingredients for the creating this culture of autonomy. One, customer driven, which Dina mentioned. But number two is accountability. Right. And I think this is the ingredient that most people get wrong, right? right? They try to create a model for autonomy that has very little accountability built into it. And I always say autonomy with no accountability is anarchy. It's not autonomy right? That's just anarchy. That's just, I do whatever I want to do because I want to do it. That's not autonomy. Autonomy comes with this responsibility, this accountability, right? And each person needs to be fully accountable for their decisions for autonomy to work. Right. And so finger pointing and excuses destroy this idea of autonomy. Number three is this idea of transparency, right? That we have to default to transparency. Number four is this idea, which goes back into our leadership principles about shipping daily and showing your work. It's this have an iterative approach, right? That you're not just focused on big, giant changes, but that you're delivering value to the customer, again, number one, all the time. And and number five is this idea of ownership, which again ties back to the leadership principle of extreme ownership, and that there's a clear owner or DRI, right? Directly responsible individual on something. And that, you know, we can't get things done if there's not clarity around who owns this decision, right? doesn't mean that they have to be a manager or or a leader or anything like that, but they might be a DRI who owns the decision on a specific project. And then I think, you know, sometimes we sometimes we get criticized for micromanaging, but... And I don't, you don't, you don't, I don't think you have, you don't have to micromanage, but there would be times, I mean, Mm -hmm. this foundation is set in motion so that we don't have to micromanage, but Mm -hmm. sometimes things can go off track, track. If you're something you steered away from the customer or you weren't outcome driven, then we might have to micromanage for a period of time and then back off again. Yeah. Um, some people have called this old saying, trust, but verify, right. especially earlier, earlier in a person's career or early in their tenure within the company. And that's just to help them along the way so they don't stumble, make obvious mistakes. Other people call it different things, right? But it's trust, but verify. Sam Walton used to call it the founder of uh, Walmart over the shoulder management, right? It's like trust, but you, every once in a while you reserve the right to inspect, right? Yeah. And I think those are the types of things that were ensuring our leaders are fostering. Yeah. And you know, that's, that to me is part of this idea of accountability, right? Part of the accountability, because you need to be able to inspect to have the, that accountability. So one thing that we've, we've talked about in the past a little bit, and uh, we've done some episodes on is this idea and we get a lot of, it's funny, we get so many questions, especially now in this kind of digital first world that everyone's kind of been forced into this idea of rituals and that we have all these rituals at Drift. And, you know, our rituals, I believe, keep us focused and centered around our mission and our goals. They're not just a meeting. They're something that's important that people can count on to get something that's specific to that ritual, whether they're a new person, an old person, everyone can count on these. And, you know, we have three main rituals. Do you want to talk about them, Dina? Sure. I think the benefit of them is we're able, we're also able to put our arms around the company twice a week. So every week we kickstart the week with what we call Monday metrics. And then we book on the week with Friday show and tell. And Monday metrics is it's 20 minutes. It's led by our VP of operations, Will Collins, who's amazing at it. He's the metrics guru of the org. But we have a leader in the sales organization talk about deals that are in play. Somebody senior in our CS organization is talking about what our customers that are retaining and what's happening with the metrics from a customer success 
perspective. Head of product talks about product launches, marketing campaigns that are running that particular week from someone from the marketing organization. So there's no excuse for anyone across the organization, regardless of position, for you not to have a high-level understanding of the metrics of our company. And then we bookend the week with Friday Show and Tell, which is my, my favorite drift ritual. One person from each department talks about something that they shipped that week, a problem mm-hmm. that they worked on, something that they were challenged with, they offer a solution, and then there's a CTA for the company. It's emceed by one of our product leads, Matt Bellotti. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it co-host is, of a Seeking Wisdom podcast called Growth, if you subscribe to it. It's great. And Matt is in Matt Bellotti form, but it's it's really, it's animated. The Zoom chat goes crazy. We vote on those presentations. There's usually, sometimes there's a culture corner component to the presentations as well. And then we have open mic for our executive team. So what's on your mind? You know, a lot of people have come to Drift because they want to see what it's like to be part of a hyper growth company. And so we share a lot about decisions that are being made broadly across the company, our competitive landscape. So Mm -hmm. those two rituals are incredibly important and they've been, we've doubled down on them by going digital. And I think they've actually become better as a result of, So, I think so. I think it's, I think it's like, I think it's helped our digital footprint internally. I think that we do, we do, we, we've got to, we've had to double down on internal PR and communications across the organization because everybody doesn't see each other. Like we used to run Friday show and tell in the backyard in Boston and you could get up on a chair and throw the microphone. Well, you can't do that. So you have to create that same kind of energy remotely. And so I think we've been able to do that. And I hear it because new hires that come into the company will slack me during the show and cannot believe the energy that they feel <laughs> from the room. And so you, yeah. Matt's been able to replicate that same energy that we had in Boston, which is really cool. And I think it also gives, it doubles down on that storytelling skill that we really want our people to master and be very good at. You have five minutes to catch the whole company's attention, mm-hmm. tell a story about something you're really working on. And there's there's also a call to action from the whole team. So we've really gotten into those. And then I think the other ritual is company meetings. This is an interesting story to tell about this one. So we've always had we've always had company meetings together in person. Like we mm-hmm. We flew everyone to Boston at the beginning of the year, and then we also got everyone together at one point in the summer. And we've had to shift those to virtual meetings. I thought the one that we did in February was incredibly powerful, and I think it was also really powerful because it wasn't completely live. And I thought that we might miss the magic by not having you speak live in a Zoom call. But we pre-recorded those. We pre-recorded that meeting, and the. The, the, the slide in and out and the professionalism of, from our video team, everyone who was participating in that, and you were on the Slack, you were on the chat. I think people thought people were blown away at the professionalism of that, of the production. And so mm-hmm. we spend so much time producing with Rev Growth and a lot of our other external events. I think individuals that participated in that kickoff felt the same kind of love and attention and professionalism in that internal kickoff as they would feel at any rev growth or external summits that we've had before, hyper growth. I think you're right. I mean, I, it was just, it was an incredible thing that we'll have to do an episode on how we did that company meeting. And we really used, 
we really want to go to a different model instead of sitting on another Zoom call. We really wanted to up the production level and kind of blow people away. And I think we, our video team did an incredible job there and we made some really great steps there. So these rituals that all of them used to be physical, we have created kind of new digital first approaches to them. And I think some of them, you know, we, all of them will continue to refine over time, but like really, you know, this, the work that Will has done with Monday Metrics and then Matt with Show and Tell, they continue to raise the bar each and every time. And it is, it blows me away just being a participant and watching what they're doing. So the fifth thing we're going to talk about is equity. With everything that we do, we are on a mission to create an equitable company, right? We are just part, and we being Drift, we are just part of just 2% of the VC-backed companies led by Latinx founders, and we take that responsibility seriously. And that is why my co-founder, Elias, is launching his own podcast, which will be debuting soon, and we'll, we'll have in the feed here at some point, and it's called The American Dream. And it's really to highlight underrepresented people in their march towards the American Dream, in order to create a more equitable environment for all of us. So this idea here really shaped what we did with becoming digital first. And uh, we wanted everyone to, to be on a level playing field to, for no one to feel like a second class citizen here and that we would create this equitable experience. What do you think we can do, Dina, before we go? Leave the, leave the people with some wisdom, some nuggets. What we, can we do to create an equitable environment? I think this is, Drift, but also in their companies. Well, I think this is a big one because I think people resort back to what's comfortable for them. <laughs> I think, you know, as you start to visualize what is going back to the office look like, a lot of people are migrating toward, I'm just going to go back to the way that things were with a little bit more flexibility. But the problem with that, and I believe the power in what's happening right now, is we're very productive because we're all on the same playing field. And I think it, it's a mindset shift. And I think that if individuals realize that you're kind of crossing a chasm, like we are going digital first, we're not going to go back to the way things were. No. Sure, you're creating an organization or a team that is very equitable. You're not going to pass the next project to the guy or the girl that's sitting right next to you in the office. You're going to pass it off to the most accomplished person on your team. They could be in San Francisco. They could be in Tampa. So location, I think that's where I'd like to get us to, but it's a, it's a mindset shift. And I think people are, some organizations are struggling to cross over to that area. Exactly. So, you know, drift is for the curious, the determined, the creators and the problem solvers out there. If that sounds like you, we'd love for you to be here. We are hiring an every single place and you can learn more and apply at drift.com slash careers. But Dina, quick question for you. How many people are we hiring at Drift right now? So we are about 415 drifters globally and we have about 140 positions open right now. We're going to add 200 more drifters. Well, 100. What? <laughs> Holy Wow, yeah. that's a, mine is blown. Jeez, so, that's a lot not, of people. Not, not we need your help. Globally. Globally, yeah. Wow. We've got, we've got people in London, Australia, drifters all over the globe. It's really exciting. Wow, that's a lot of people. So if you remember, if you're curious, you're determined, you're a creator and a problem solver, then Drift is for you. Apply drift.com slash careers. And I need you all to do one last thing. If you want the great, the amazing, 
world-class Dean Upton to make it back on this here podcast. I need you to leave a six-star review. I need you to go open up, leave five stars, and then leave an extra star in the rating and leave a shout out to Dina. Tell her how amazing she is, how you want her to replace me as the host of this podcast. And let's see how many six-star ratings we get. Dina, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, TC. All right. See you soon. Let me know what you thought of this episode by texting me at one 1036 Again, 1-212-380-1036. Now, if you're looking for more leadership insights, sign up for my weekly newsletter, The One Thing, at drift.com slash DC. Every week, I'll share a habit, tool, or mental model that's helping me reach my goals. Hope to see you there. Text me. Hit me up. 1-212-380-1036.